Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Coakman here at ABWE International, joined once again by Scott Dunford, friend, boss, colleague, mentor, whatever you want to insert there. We're excited today uh, because we're interviewing an incredible woman whose ministry throughout ABWE has impacted a lot of people and whose story many people have heard. Scott, could you introduce our guest for us today? Yeah, it's always a joy to have our mission. Missionaries um, on our show and to hear their stories. And I'm going to introduce you today to Jen DeKrieger. Jen is a missionary with ABWE. Her and her four boys um, are serving in Togo, Africa, and not just anywhere in Togo, Africa, but they were part of really starting a whole new team into the north of Togo, uh, ministering in that contested region in a Muslim area um, in the city of Mongo. And so rather than me tell her story, because there's a lot of twists and turns to get to that place, but Jen, we just are so glad to have you on, and uh, thank you for joining us as you're getting ready to go back to Africa. And uh, would you just tell a little bit of the story of how you and your husband, Todd, were called into ministry and then how that has played out? Well, sure. I'm very excited to share, reflecting on how God has done such a faithful work as he always does. Yeah, my, my path to missions really started as a child growing up in Michigan in a wonderful church that was very missions focused. Faithful people prayed for me and invested in me from the time I was little. Um, and then off to Cedarville University. And that's really when God got a hold of my heart um, as an individual, um, putting me on the path to missions and studying education and cross-cultural studies. God just continued to confirm that, yes, this was his path for me and I ended up going with ABWE as a short-termer for um, three years to Asia, uh, served in Hong Kong for three years, and that was just a very much a growing up time for me. I needed to get away from comforts of America and uh, my family and just really was driven to my knees and dependence on uh, my creator to sustain me and grow me up. So it was a very valuable time as a single for me. Um, and God needed to do that work in me as an individual before he could bring me into the life of my sweet husband, Todd Peter D. Kreger, and God was working in him at the same time, really drawing Todd to himself initially, and then uh, through his medical training and everything else, just using all that to um, make Todd who um, he needed him to be so that we could be married and then serve on the mission field. So once we got married and Todd got a little bit more training and surgery we just always knew that God was calling us to the mission field. I'll be honest, a lot of times that was me kind of <laughs> driving us in that direction. He didn't grow up in a setting where missions was a huge focus. And so it was a new thing for him. Um, but I for sure knew that was God's plan for me. So when he came on board and we um, started dating, that was the, the focus of it. This is where um, I really felt like God was calling us as a couple so um, we started with ABWE in 2003, and uh, that was the first time that anybody ever approached this expansion of the medical work in Togo, West Africa. Um, there had been a faithful ministry there for years and years, and God had blessed tremendously through the, the Southern Hospital there. Um, but there were some visionaries that wanted to see... Um, really see the light of the gospel penetrate the northern region that is um, very dark. And so those were where the dreams were cast. And we stepped out in faith, really kind of not knowing what was going to transpire, but excited. And Todd talked often about the supersizing of the ministry in Togo and how God wanted to do greater things. And um, so we hit the ground running and uh, spent, oh, over a decade preparing for the grand opening of a brand new hospital in the northern part of that country. 
country. Can I interrupt just for a second? So can you explain, we all are very familiar with the difference between the South and the North of Togo, but can you paint a Mm. picture for the spiritual um, environment of of Northern Togo particularly and what drew you to that? Because this is West Africa. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the country of Togo is um, very diverse, just like most of West Africa, the capital cities were targeted um, by missionaries early on. And so there's a strong gospel presence in the capital city of Lome. And then beyond that, even where our Southern hospital is, many, many churches have been planted in that area. Um, But the further north you go, the further you are away from that. And you just see mosque after mosque after mosque. Mm. And uh, it's a very dark region. Um, And we specifically targeted Mongo, the city of Mongo, because the people there have been uh, neglected and very much, um, yeah, they're not loved by anyone Mm. in their country. And um, they've been cast aside by a lot of people. And um, so we thought this would be a great place to bring um, the light of the gospel, to bring these people hope. And it's it's a great central location across uh, West Africa. So lots of people can come from um, our neighboring countries and even beyond that to have their health care needs met. But beyond just their health care needs, um, clearly the truth of who Christ is, is is spoken into the lives of our patients. And that's obviously the focus of why we're there. And this is strategic because Islam is covering North Africa and seeping further and further south. And here's a country where you have that same north-south sort of split between um, some some Catholics and some animists, some Christians, other groups in the south, and yet uh, the more of the Islamic influence in the north. So really, it's a, it's a microcosm of Africa as a whole, and it's a rare opportunity to move up into that Islamic part and to do some really strategic gospel ministry. So God yeah. called you and your son, uh, you and your husband and your sons to Mongo. How long have you been in Mongo, and then what happened? Well, we um, we arrived in Togo, in the southern part of Togo, in 2007, early on um, that year. And actually, my fourth-born son, um, my fourth son was born just a couple months after we got there. And um, we got a lot of wonderful experience in the southern part of Togo and then moved north to help with the construction of the new hospital, um, which was always the plan, always the dream from the very beginning to be involved in that in that. Uh, strategic ministry. So we worked on construction and uh, training of staff and um, procurement of all the medical equipment Mm. and stocking of everything we would need for this ministry um, until the grand opening in February of 2015. And that was uh, a glorious day, that grand opening after more than a decade of just dreaming about this and praying about this. It was finally happening. And uh, just a glorious day for our team. God's assembled an amazing team on the ground there. Just you can't explain our team other than God bringing us together, Mm -hmm. diverse backgrounds, but with the common goal. And so it was just a thrilling day for all of us. And uh, the medical ministry took off and we had patients lined up outside the gate, which we continue to have uh, to this day. And uh, that first year of the the hospital, there was a lot of learning, um, but just a lot of service as well. We cared for a lot of people and were able to share truth um, into the lives of so many, so many people that were just walking in darkness and completely clueless had never really even heard the truth of who Christ is or um, some even not even heard the name spoken of of Christ. It was a glorious year and our family was thriving. Um, My four boys were all thriving 
um, in ministry, my three older ones, especially plugged in, um, my husband strategically plugged in the boys into ministry because he, he was in the hospital all the time. He loved it. Um, and so he wanted his boys to be with him alongside him, serving with him so that he could be investing in them. So each of them have their roles. And then, um, I guess it was just, just under a year, um, from when that, opening day happened that uh, Todd started feeling ill and uh, it was very uncommon for him to be sick. He was very much a strong man and um, rarely, rarely became ill, but got sick to the point where we had to admit him in the hospital. And that was actually the first time he'd ever been in the hospital as a patient his entire life. And um, just about 10 days after he initially um, became ill, he came, became aware that we weren't going to be able to care for him and that they could not figure out what exactly was wrong with him. So we talked about evacuating him and our, my amazing team again, just came alongside as they'd been caring for him so faithfully, trying to care for him and trying to, um, figure out what was wrong, um, now became, you know, the, the task of evacuating him, which is not a small task. Hmm. So we, um, made plans for that. And, uh, he was put on a jet um, about an hour south of where we live, and um, he and I got in that jet, and at that time, um, he was just very critically ill, and um, he did, praise God, was able to speak with his sons and say goodbye and um, just tell them that he loved them, and um, I got on the jet with him knowing that this did not look good and had a strong sense that um, it was very likely that this mm-hmm. was going to be the end. My team was there with me, um, praying, praying, praying for a miracle that God would heal him. Um, but God chose otherwise. And just um, about 10 hours after we arrived in Germany, um, God called Todd home to glory. And uh, was exactly one year to the day from the opening ceremony of that hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, I really believe that God chose to do that so that we would be mindful of the finality of Todd's life and that he had walked in obedience and that, yes, he had accomplished what God desired and God didn't need Todd DeCregor, nor does he need me to accomplish what he wants to desire to draw the nations of West Africa to himself. Um, he's very much capable of doing all of that by himself, but he gives us the privilege to be a part of it, a very small part of it, to see how he's working to draw these people to himself through circumstances that we don't always understand and in that, we have seen many doors open that were not open to us because of Todd's death. Mm-hmm. And so um, the boys and I have really wanted to use those doors and walk through those doors and not allow those opportunities to be missed, to continue to speak of um, the great hope we have and the fact that we have a complete 100% assurance that Todd is with his God and that someday we will join him um, and be at the feet of, of Christ and be at the eternal worship event that Todd mm-hmm. spoke of so often. And um, so we press on. Obviously, we have many moments of, uh, you know, struggle and just doubt and grief, for sure. Lots of grief mm-hmm. even now, mm-hmm. two years later. Um, but we choose and we encourage one another every day to choose to fix our minds on what we know is true. Um, instead of wallowing in our self-pity and um, focusing on the things around us that seem overwhelming. And I'll be honest, lots of days I'm overwhelmed with the tasks and overwhelmed with um, what needs to be done. 
um, we're choosing as a family to encourage one another to focus on the truth from the word and um, being spurred on in that regard, knowing that that's really the only thing that's going to sustain us through this. And for sure, we want to persevere yeah. um, and finish well. And we have a, a lot of years left mm. uh, to invest. And so we're committed to to pouring it out for things that matter. You know, um, here we are a couple years out. You've shared the story multiple times and we hear strength in your voice. But if, if you can just, would mind just allowing, because there may be someone listening that's going through something similar, um, or it may be that some of us are going to go through something later. For sure we will. What was the struggle like in those moments? I mean, I, I can only imagine how I would feel being in that plane and wondering, you know, you think about your boys and your husband and all that's, that's hanging in the balance. You know, what were some of the thoughts that were, you were wrestling through? Was it, what, you know, was it always super clear what God was doing in your heart? Cause now we, we look back and we, wow, like, you know, Jen's really walking with Christ through this. Like what were some of the struggles and, and how did, how did God minister to you in those moments? Yeah. Well, there were many uh, very direct conversations with God telling him I, you know, I don't understand this. I don't like this. This is not my plan. And, and I do not understand how you're going to bring yourself glory through this. Mm. Todd was very much the visionary of that ministry and kind of the cheerleader for all of us. Um, so it was a huge loss, not just clearly for our family, as he was the father of my four sons, mm. but for our team. And so lots of questions, but um, I believe God is big enough to take my questions and my doubts. And so I was very direct in telling him. And I always, I was encouraged from my, my dear pastor that go back to the word, always mm. go back to the word. What is the truth? And what, what have you walked in all these years? And, and telling God, you know, these are the truths that, that you say, and they don't feel true today. When I'm, um, even at the time when I stood on the runway and knew that this did not look good and this could possibly be the end, God brought to my mind some scripture that talked about God being a refuge for the oppressed and a stronghold in times of trouble. Mm. And uh, that he doesn't forsake his own. But yet I told him at that moment, I did feel forsaken. I knew he's big enough to handle my, my, um, my doubts like that. And he just always continues to pour out the grace and remind me, this is the truth. Go back to the truth and walk in the truth. And there's hope there. So time and time again, I'll take the scripture and I'll say, here it is, God. This is what you say. This is what you tell me. It doesn't feel true today. Can you please remind me? By pouring out more grace, by your spirit pouring out more and more grace, that I would be um, more aware of the fact that you love me more than I can understand. And you're going to bring yourself glory through this, even when I don't, I don't see it at this juncture. So I take the scripture that he's given me and I just tell it to him back time and time again. This is what you say. Please make it feel true to me. Hmm. I would ask a similar question for your children. How did your children process that? Um, how did they continue to process that? Um, and in using scripture, both initially yes. when, you know, you mentioned saying those goodbyes, but, but, you know, now in the two years since, what has that experience and journey been like for them? Yeah. It's, it, you know, we are, we were all just together at our missionary enrichment conference and my boys and my kids got to know your kids are, mm. I have four kids, you've got four kids. They line up pretty close in age. Um, yeah. I, I would love to hear, you know, just what God was doing there too. Yeah. Well, his hand has just been so evident. Um, I just can't say anything other than that there's been so much grace. He just pours it out. And I see that most evidently in the lives of my children. Um, I cannot explain the way that they've walked through this with such hope other than the grace of God. 
been committed to memorize scripture and that continues. Um, so God has used those scriptures in to minister to, to the hearts of my boys. Um, they have not had bitterness. They have not had um, questions about the goodness of God. And I can't take any credit for that. And I can't explain it other than the grace of God. So all those scriptures that we've memorized and um, the truth that we look at in the word every morning at the breakfast table has ministered to them. And they um, they speak now of, um, you know, God's plan and that we don't understand it, but God's going to take care of us and he's going to use us and he's going to give us use these opportunities to mold us to be more effective for him. I've heard my older sons talk about that, how they can now clearly um, minister to the hurting um, more compassionately with more empathy. Their words to their Togolese friends now hold much more weight mm. as they share truth of who Christ is to them and the, the, the hope they have in Christ. Um, now they can speak out of um, the experience of grief and loss. And um, so all of that, again, is just grace, right? Like that's, mm. you can't explain the work of God in the heart of your children other than um, his grace. Yeah, that's encouraging as a dad, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to die, but I am, I am, I, my fear is leaving my kids behind. And what a, what a sweet testimony of our savior, just that he's, he's caring for your kids and their faith and yes. through this process. And that, that, you know, as, as morbid as it may sound, that gives me encouragement and hope. Um, cause mm-hmm. it is, it is easy to, to worry and fret about the future and to know we have a heavenly father that loves our children even more than we do. Um, Thanks for sharing that. I know that's kind of a vulnerable topic. I mean, I, I feel vulnerable and it wasn't me. And uh, mm. so thanks for sharing that. And um, that it's yeah. an encouragement for sure. Yeah, it's no small thing that you're able to share some of that. You alluded earlier too to some of those ministry opportunities that you and your children have had perhaps now that you weren't have having uh, earlier um, as a result of what God's brought you through. And certainly part of that is is um, what you mentioned in walking other people through through hurt and through loss. Um, but what, what are some of those doors, uh, maybe unexpected doors, that God has opened for the gospel um, since Todd's passing? Yeah, I would think um, the, the open doors that are, um, I guess, most um, important in my mind have been in conversations we've had with our Muslim friends. Um, these are families that we've known for, for years and um, Todd had very good relationships with um, these men, the leaders of these families. And um, so conversations after his death were uh, were very much focused on the fact, you know, for my part, I was always trying to speak into the fact that we have such a firm assurance, 100 percent assurance that he is with our God. And then these men would always respond, well, of course he is. He was such a good man. Hmm. And um the boys have had time and time and time again, the boys have had opportunities to have this exact same conversation with patients that Todd cared for or their colleagues who they work with in the hospital where they want to tell us, yes, we know that Todd is in heaven because he was such a good man, which clearly is an open door for us to step through to say, no, no, there is no man good enough. And this is all about the person and work of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on behalf of Todd D. Kreger and on, be- on behalf of all of us, that because of the sacrifice of Christ, 
we have access to the Father. And because of us clinging to this, and that's the only thing we cling to, not we don't merit anything in and of ourselves or anything we've worked to accomplish. And Todd did not earn favor with God because of his works in that hospital or helping to establish that hospital. But he clung to the fact that Jesus had accomplished it all for him on the cross. So um, lots and lots of open doors to speak that truth. And um, we're thrilled with that and wanting to use, you know, wanting to use this grief and this terribly difficult um, situation that our family's walking through in order to have those open doors and hopefully someday see the fruit of that. Right. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the ultimate goal that we would see our, our friends turn to Christ and embrace him as the son of God, the one who died in their place. So, you know, as you were describing your life in ministry in Togo um, before Todd went to be the Lord, it, it wasn't just your ministry and Todd's ministry. It was a family ministry. And I've heard you even share that you know, like the boys were involved in every aspect of ministry, um, very much involved. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people would say, would, would assume, you know, here you are in a very hard place. I mean, um, others have died there as well. Um, it, it's, it's not an easy place to live. There's a spiritual oppression. There's physical mm-hmm. challenges. Um, it's very much frontline ministry. And now, you know, okay, this tragedy's happened. I'm sure there was a temptation or even pressure from some people to say, okay, now, um, hey, you did your part and now it's time to, to stay home. Um, but yet, I, as we're talking, you and your family are getting ready to go back to, to Africa. What was the process like to decide that? Um, did you think about staying home? I mean, no one would have second-guessed that decision. How, how did you decide that, hey, God wants us to go back to Africa? Yeah. Well, um, from the very beginning of our time in Togo, Todd really always had the goal that our boys would be plugged in. And that was obviously much harder when they were little because they can't do as much, but He always had um, one of his sons with him when he was doing different things, whether that meant visiting people in the village or sorting medical supplies. Can you just briefly just tell us how old your kids are, too? That might help. Yes. Um, My youngest son is 11. And uh, then I have a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old. My 18-year-old is getting ready to start uh, his studies at Cedarville University. We'll actually leave this coming weekend to take him down there. Um, so the boys have very much grown up, yeah, being plugged in and, and sometimes dragged along, not willingly. <laughs> um, but their father made it fun, <laughs> you know, let's let's have fun while we're doing this and um, let's find the humor in some of these situations that are so hard, kind of like if you're not, you're going to cry if you don't laugh about it. So <laughs> he found fun in all of that and um, tried to plug them in early from, you know, from the time they were young. Um, so it has been a family affair. In a lot of in a lot of ways. But when it came to the fact um, when Todd was called home to glory, uh, I had these four sons who um, are very much plugged into life there. That is their home for them. That's all they really know. They have been to the U.S. obviously several times and, you know, have a wonderful church family here and uh, good friends and and a wonderful uh, family that is our, our support from the U.S., but their life is Togo, and um, they love their friends that they work with. So when Todd died, it was for sure not even, um, I'll be honest, we didn't even have the discussion. Um, it was more like, okay, how are we going to press on through this now? I think there there were comments made to them about going back to the U.S., but 
as a family, we were just very much firmly with our, our feet set in Togo and, and God has, God has knit us together and uh, grown us up there uh, to be used there. And so, um, the boys love their life there. They love opening the word of God with their friends. Um, and I really couldn't see pulling them out of that. And to be honest, that's where our greatest joy is for myself through this grief. I've found the greatest joy, the greatest, um, comfort in being able to speak those truths from the word into the lives of my friends. Um, that has been therapy for our souls. Um, so why would we want to remove ourselves from a situation where we're finding the greatest joy, the greatest hope and the greatest opportunities to speak truth? Hmm. So that's where we are plugged in and, uh, Excited to get back. We're heading back in October. You've referenced the team around you a couple times um, in your church. Who are some of those most encouraging champion voices in your life, especially in the context of the local church? We have not only missionaries listening, but also sending church pastors and people that are involved in ministry. And they're probably thinking this is this is an amazing story. But the reality is, is that even people that are here in the U.S., I'm sure, um, were, uh, were really a critical support to you. So what were some of the ways that you saw the body of Christ really surround you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is for sure. One aspect of our lives, that the boys and I continually to thank, continually thank God for is, um, the body of Christ and those individuals that he has, um, surrounded us with. My team on the ground is, um, just amazing. And God has raised up a very diverse team, but just, with a common goal. And so they really for sure came alongside us as a family and poured into us and encouraged us. And a lot of times that was just coming to my side and saying, I want to pray for you right now. And they wouldn't, you know, we're not going to discuss all that you're going through. We're just going to, I'm going to take you to the father right now. And so that was crucial as we um, walked through those initial weeks of grief. Um, But also um, God has been so very kind to us through our, um, our sending church here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, actually, some of my college friends, um, the pastor and his wife, are are just very dear to our family, and um, they've been intimately involved in our ministry from the very beginning. Understanding the details and some of the stresses that we deal with in medical ministry, for sure, the challenges that we faced, and they've made conscientious efforts to know the details of our ministry from from day one. And then beyond that, um, when the crisis came, they rallied, rallied the troops in amazing ways. And um, actually, uh, with the illness that Todd had and um, the struggle with all of that, my pastor and his wife were, um, as soon as they got the news, they were they were purchasing tickets and they were on their way to join me to be with the boys and I mm. in Togo. And um, because of Todd's illness... I had to call them and say, um, now we know what this was. You probably shouldn't come. It's contagious and you may have to be quarantined here if you come and spend time with us because the boys and I were quarantined for 21 days Hmm. and, um, they were actually already on their way when that, when they got that call, but I encouraged them that, you know, maybe you should just, um, head back to the U S and, um, they actually called me from from uh, Paris to say, you know, we're still coming. We wow. we want to be by your side. Wow. And um, that was one of those actions that just, you know, forever I'll be mindful of their love for our family, um, the body of Christ coming alongside us to support us and to really live it out 
um, putting their own needs aside and actually, you know, putting themselves at risk even to be um, that support that we needed as we walked through those initial days of such deep grief. So Jen, what comforts and encouragements would you give to people who maybe they're involved in missions, they're facing their own struggles on whatever level that happens, uh, or maybe they're just involved in ministry here in the U.S. on the role of suffering and how God yeah. uses that to refine us and shape us and open doors for the gospel? What What's some general encouragement there that you would give? And then I'd like to switch gears a little bit too and just talk about Togo and what mm-hmm. God's doing there. Mm-hmm. You know, I really feel like um, before Todd went to glory, um, that our family was really thriving. And um, as an individual, I felt like I had everything I'd always wanted. You know, we were thriving in ministry. We were sharing truth with people who had never heard the truth before. And all my kids were plugged in and my husband was thriving. And and I, and I really, you know, do feel like I was walking forward. Um, but I can... I can strongly say that I've never desperately needed the presence of Christ in my life like I need it now. Um, I cannot face my days without being driven to his word and getting my head screwed on straight by being reminded that this is the truth. This is the truth, no matter what it feels like, no matter what um, challenges I face today, and no no matter how overwhelmed I feel, I'm going to go back to the word and find truth and hope to keep me um, on the path. And I wouldn't have been driven to that desperation had it not been this trial that God has allowed us to walk through. So um, as much as I despised the path, um, for sure, um, I know that it has driven me in desperation to be in the word and to just seek the face of Jesus and to sit at his feet. Um, Because if I'm ever going to have anything of value to speak into the life of anyone else, it's only going to be because I've been filled by my own time in the word, by sitting with Christ and pouring out my soul to him in order to be equipped to turn around and speak that truth. As far as uh, what's going on in Togo now, um, it's such a thrill to really be involved in this ministry that God established. You can't explain this hospital and Hmm. this facility and this ministry apart from the fact that God wanted this to happen in this place. Mm. So every day we have hundreds of patients that come to our gate and we cannot care for all of them because we lack medical providers and we lack the nurses needed to care for these people. But we do see the sickest of the sick and we never turn away um, a pregnant woman or a sick child. Um, But we could definitely use some more providers, medical providers, doctors and PAs and nurse practitioners who can work in our clinic and can help take calls so that we can, um, so that we can see more patients and ultimately so that we can speak more truth into the lives of people that really are walking in darkness and need to hear the truth. Yeah, talk to us a little bit more about the types of medical providers that that you're praying that God would add to your team, or maybe it's all types, and and maybe also people that don't have a medical background, but that are thinking, I could be in, engaged in mm-hmm. evangelism or some other form of ministry, even with a different platform in the community in Togo, if this resonates with them. Yes. Um, as far as the medical providers, we for sure could use um, pretty much anyone across the board, every, every different type of specialty is needed. Um, and all of that would just be able to open more doors to see more patients. And so, um, if you're a a doctor or nurse practitioner or or a uh, physician assistant, for sure, reach out to us and we can talk about how you could get plugged in. Um, but ultimately, um, no matter how wonderful a doctor is or how skilled or intelligent any of these providers are, 
Um, we really need people who are sincere Christ followers who love Muslim people. That is the number one characteristic that we need. And uh, if you're not a medical provider, there's a lot of other ways you can be plugged into this ministry like myself or others on my team who um, do some of the, the other tasks that need to be done in order for this medical ministry to go forward. But all of us invest in the lives of Muslim people throughout the community, building relationships and establishing that trust and the medical work, the medical platform is a big part of that. So uh, we for sure could use help in, in many different areas. Mm. And people can go to abwe.org slash Togo to get more information on that. But you mentioned uh, if they wanted to get a hold of you and, and if they wanted to learn about how to connect with your team in particular, uh, what would be a good way to get a hold of you, Jen? Yeah. Um, well, I'd invite you to look at the, the Hospital, of, Hospital of Hope website to kind of get a good idea of what's going on there. And that shares a little bit more specifically about the ministry there. It's um, hohmongo.org. H-O-H-Mongo, M-A-N-G-O. Correct. It's like the fruit, but pronounced mango instead of mango. H-O-H-Mongo.org. Correct. And that, that will also give you the links for contacting myself and others on our team who can help you get plugged in depending on your area of specialty or your interest. Well, that's awesome. Um, thank you for that information because we are praying that God would continue to grow that ministry. Well, and the beautiful thing, so I have a couple images in my mind and, you know, I, I never had the privilege of meeting Todd. Um, I met you, I think last year, um, at the, uh, global healthcare conference. But, um, but I, but I, I did know who Todd was because I've had this image of my mind of, of this video that was made at the beginning of raising, support, raising the funds for the hospital of, and I know you've seen the video of, of Todd looking out over the city of Mongo and, um, and kind of dreaming with, with us through video, uh, about the future of that hospital. And, and that, that's still in etched in my mind. Um, but I also know that there's a vision for, um, that God's doing something unique in Togo. That's our biggest field right now with ABWE. Um, but it's located in such a unique place that the vision for Togo can go so far beyond just that yeah. little country. Um, as, as so many key countries, see key, we, when we, in missions, we think of people groups even more than country, key unreached people groups butting up to this little place that most people haven't heard of. I, I was sitting on the air, on an airplane with someone who works, um, in the federal government and, and I said Togo and he thought, oh, he said the, the South Pacific. And I said, no, uh, cause I, I was talking about, um, our opportunities that are going on there. And I was able to explain to him um, West Africa, but the opportunities there. Is there to a see, Togo in the South Pacific, or he just didn't know his geography? Or <laughs> there's some, they got to teach geography a little bit better than us. In our U.S. schools, especially, yeah. but the vision there to see the gospel go from Togo throughout all of of West Africa, North Africa, yeah. and to, to regions beyond. And I'm excited because gateway. now this is more in southern Togo, but the nurses that are being trained, and now there's a plan to train surgeons, not just for Africa, but um, to the ends of the earth. And that is the vision, right? And to, to see, see a mission movement of of Togolese missionaries going out and reaching the rest of Africa to really complete the cycle, not just reaching Togo itself, but bringing them to the point where they're reaching others. Yes, that's the goal. And you know, we see that happening little by little. Some of our most effective co-workers are Togolese Christians who had moved up from the south of Togo, out of their comfort mm. zone, out of their culture, into Mongo, who are now learning the language and leading up house groups of, wow. uh, of believers who've come to faith in Christ through the ministry of the hospital and now are plugged into a house group hearing truth from the word of God, 
So it's exciting. Jen, how can people be praying for you and how can Mm -hmm. people be joining you in praying for Togo and the ministry there? Yeah, I appreciate that so much because obviously we need prayer and we know that it's the prayers of many people that God's been working through to sustain our family and to help us persevere through all of this. As far as requests for the future, uh, as we get ready to head back, I just pray that God would um, continue to remind us to have eternal perspective as we say goodbye to our family here in the U.S. and the comforts of the U.S. And so I leave my oldest son here in the U.S., and um, head back to West Africa, that God would just continually remind us of um, to have eternal perspective and to to invest strong in things that matter. And along those lines, I just really um, covet your prayers for our friends in Mongo. Uh, so many families come to mind as I ask you to pray for uh, God to do a work in their hearts, reminding or just revealing to them who Christ is. They've heard the truth from us. Many of them have heard the truth time and time again in our hospital, uh, but have not yet um, embraced the truth that Jesus is the Son of God and that he gave his life for them. So please pray for my friends that um, have not yet um, believed Mm. the truths that we've shared with them. Um, That's my biggest burden and uh, just something that I'm dreaming big for this these next couple of years that we'll see some some amazing things happen in those families uh, and then throughout the entire city as a result of these key families in our town. And if you'd like to support uh, the ministry of Jen and her family, you can do that as well by just contacting us either at ABWE. You can go to abwe.org and you can just type in under give uh, to Krieger and Jen's name will come up and you can be involved in supporting uh, her ministry and the ministry of of the hospital there as well. Jen, thank you again so much for joining us today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. If you want to get more great content on theology, missions, and practice, go to missionspodcast.com. And while you're there, make sure that you subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite listening platform. And please make sure that you also give us an honest review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to be sending your questions to alex at missionspodcast.com, along with any other ideas for future episodes. And until next time, thank you for joining us.